And now, Harav Binyamin Tavori, the uh, figure, the Godel of the week, this week, the yard site of the Maharal Miprag. Harav Binyamin Tavori. This Shabbat, Chai Elul, is the yard site of Harav Yehuda Leib Ben Bitzalel. That name might not sound that familiar to people. However, when I call him by his nickname, it is obviously well known to everybody. Rabbi Yehuda Leib Ben Bitzalel, better known as the Maharal, was Nifter on Chai Elul in the year 1609. He was born approximately 1525 to a family of Tamid Chachamim. His father was known as a major Tamid Chacham, and his brother also wrote Svarim and was known in the world of Lamdis as well. Interestingly enough, we know very little about the education of the Maharal, and assumedly his father taught him, and he probably was very autodidactic, but we have no serious record of any Rabbanim who taught him. He was well-versed in many, many areas, obviously in the world of Torah, which was his forte, but he also was known in the world of mathematics, apparently had relations with people who are known as great scientists in his generation as well. When he eventually became Rav, of Prague, his fame had preceded him. Everyone knew and had heard of the Maharal. The reports were that he came from the Yichus of David HaMelech. His family traditions could be traced back to David HaMelech. And he had very original thoughts on many topics. One of his famous ideas was against the system of learning that was instituted at that time, which is more or less what we would call the Pilpul Method, and the advice of Pirkei Avos, at what age to begin learning various studies, was endorsed by the Maharal and recommended by him against the common approach at that time, and in fact, the, against the approach of most generations. The Mishnah, of course, says, Ben Chamesh the Mikra, at the five a person should learn, begin learning Mishnayis, and later, uh, Mikra, uh, Torah, Torah Shebichsav. Only later should he learn Mishnayis, and only later should he learn Gemara. In fact, according to the Mishnah, it seems to be the age of 15 that a person should really begin learning Gemara. And the Maharal felt that this old adage of Pirkei Avos should be endorsed and felt that was the proper method of education. This obviously influenced his Talmidim so much that one of his main Talmidim was known as the Tosfus Yantif, Rabbi Yotav Lipman Heller, who wrote a Perush on Mishnayis to make the Mishnayis more accessible to the learner who learned Mishnayis without learning Gemara necessarily. The Maharal, as I said before, came from Mishpachas David HaMelech. His name was Leib, which is Lion. On his grave, the tombstone today has pictures depicting a lion. And he even used that name of Lion for one of his major svarim. The Sefer Perush on Rashi, called Gur Aryeh, was, has in it, of course, the name Aryeh, Yehuda Leib, Gur Aryeh. His other Svarim, his main claim in, today in the world of Jewish thought is for the series of Svarim, a whole series of Svarim that are just generally called the Maharal, and those Svarim have titles based on the Pasuk in Divrei Hayam and Perik the Pasuk, which is well-known, Lucha Hashem HaGdula VaGevura VaTiferes VaNetzach. Those words, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, became the Sefer called Gvura Hashem. Sefer Rav Hutner used to relate to them as Sefer HaGvura, Sefer HaTiferes, Sefer HaNetzach. 
the, the Svarimen. Of course, Maral wrote, what, t- today we have a compilation of Pirushim of his on the Haggadah, Pirushim of his on Pirkei Avos. We have four volumes of Pirushim on Haggadah Sashas. Besides those other Svarim, which I called Sefer HaGadula, Sefer HaGvura, Sefer HaTiferes, which became perhaps the basis of a certain type of Jewish philosophy, which we'll get back to in a minute. Besides those Svarim, he wrote two volumes, today printed as two volumes called Netivot Olam, where he brings different pillars of the world and explains Netiv of Emes, Netiv of Chesed, all various Netivim in the world. It seems to me that for many years, the Maharal was more famous for the legend about the Golem than for his actual philosophy. This legend about the Golem, of course, was popularized in literature and by public folk stories. The veracity and the historical events of the golem are not for me to go into now. It is interesting that when I was a child, I found this tshuva of, an, of a descendant of the Maral, questioning whether, in fact, you could count a golem as a person for a minion. I remember running as a child to my father and saying to him, did you see such a tshuva? Can you count a golem to a minion? And my father's response was, I've seen many times in Jewish history that we've counted people who are golem to a minion. But that tshuva and the legends seem to be the fame of the Maharal for perhaps hundreds of years. With the beginning of the world of Hasidus, it seems that the Maharal's theology, his philosophy, took on a new meaning. People began to delve themselves more into the study of the Maharal, and therefore I think his popularity increased. I'd like specifically to relate to two people who were great, greatly influenced by the Maharal. The first is Rav Kook, who was one of the people who based many sichot, many of his drashos, were based on the Maharal. He used to say that the Maharal said things in a hidden way, which have to be explained, and we have to delve into the lines of the Maharal. I'd like to cite an example that was quoted by Rav Zevin in an article on Rav Kook. Rav Zevin writes how he visited Rav Kook on a Sudash Lishit in Yerushalayim, and he heard him say, Divrei Torah. And at one point, Rav Zevin said, the Lubavitcher Chassid that he was, he said, there's only one thing that I haven't heard yet, and that's some sort of a Torah that is reminiscent of Lubavitch, of the theology and philosophy that he understood from the Lubavitcher Rebbe's. And then Rav Kook proceeded to say something along those lines. The Mishnah in, in Tanis, the end of Tanis, implies that the Kohen Gadol ranks number one among the level of the Kohanim. Secondly, second to him, is the Kohen Mashuach Mulchama, that special Kohen that was appointed in time of war. The third level seems to be the Skan Kohen Gadol, the assistant to the Kohen Gadol. The Tuei Evan, the great Shagas Ayi, pointed out that this seems to contradict the Mishnah in Horeus. The Mishnah in Horeus implies that the Daughter that the that the uh, the skan kohen gadol comes before the Mashiach Muhammad. I might have said it backwards. In, in the Mishnah Tanis, the implication is that Mashiach Muhammad is less than the skan kohen gadol. The skan gadol comes second. Mashiach Muhammad comes third. Whereas the Mishnah Horias, it seems to be that Mashiach Muhammad is second. The skan kohen gadol is third. So Rav Kook explained that the Mishnah in Tanis is referring to the daughter of the kohanim, and it says they're the daughter of the Mashiach Muhammad is somehow inf- somewhat inferior to the daughter of the Skankoin Gadol. I said that that implies that the Mashiach Muhammad is less 
than the Skan Kohen Gadol, and therefore it would contradict the Mishnah in Mishnayis, the Mishnah in Harius. Rav Kook quoted the Maharal as saying that there are certain concepts which are eternal and certain concepts which are transient. They make no difference as to how long they last, but the concept itself might be an eternal concept, but perhaps it might exist only briefly. On the other hand, there are certain concepts with, with concepts which by nature are transient, but they might last a very long time. The example that Rav Kook brought is found in the beginning of Sefer Agvuros, where Rav Kook, where the Maharal explains the difference between Galut and Geula, between Shalom and Milchama. Galut is a temporary situation. Geula is a permanent situation. Now, Galut has lasted very, very long time, but nevertheless, in God's world, this is a temporary concept. The concept of Geula is eternal. The concept of Shalom Matai Kvar Yagia. When will we attain that concept of Shalom? But nevertheless, the concept of Shalom is an eternal concept. The concept of Milchama, even though there could be a thousand year war, but the concept of Milchama is only a temporary aberration in the world. It's not considered a concept of permanence. This idea was used by Rav Kook to answer the Kasha of the Turei Evan. When we talk about who is more high, who is higher on the pecking order of Kahuna, the Kohen Gadol comes first. The Skan Kohen Gadol comes, well, we'll have to see. The Mishnah in Horios implies that Mashiach Muhammad is higher. But the Mishnah in Tanis implies that the Skan Kohen Gadol is higher. So Rav Kook said, since Mashiach Muhammad is a transient concept, when we're talking about the person himself at the time of war, at the time the Mashiach Muhammad is appointed, indeed he is higher than the Skan Kohen Gadol. That's the Mishnah in Horios. But the, the Mishnah in Tanis is referring to a second generation, to a continuation of this concept of Mashiach Muhammad. Mashiach Muhammad in the term concept of continuation really does not have the same level as the first generation because it's not an eternal concept. It's a transient concept. And therefore the daughter of the, of the Mashiach Muhammad is less than the daughter of the Skan Kohen Gadol, although the Mashiach Muhammad himself is higher than that of the Skan Kohen Gadol. So you see how Rav Kook used the Maharal as one example, even to answer Akasha in Lambdas. And of course, much, much of his philosophy, much of Rav Kook's philosophy is quoted and explained and we find hints of the morale in much of Rav Kook's thought. One of the people that was very influenced by Rav Kook in the world of Machshava is the Rosh Yeshiva of the founder of the Yeshiva, Chaim Berlin in America, Harav Yitzchak Kutner, Zichon Alevacha. Not only do we find his Svarim, Pachad Yitzchak, we find in them constant references to the Maharal, many, many explanations of the Mahara, of, that the Maharal said. Rav Hutner credited Rav Kook with opening his eyes to the Maharal. Rav Neria, in one of his books about people who lived within the periphery of Rav Kook, has a chapter in Rav Hutner, and that chapter he quotes Rav Hutner as saying, Rav Kook had mir the egen sun Maharal. Rav Kook opened my eyes to the Maharal. And inasmuch as we're in the month of Elul, I'd like to quote something that Rav Hutner said in the name of the Maharal in to do with Rosh Hashanah. Usually we think of the concept of tshuva, that tshuva means to go from bad to good. But the word tshuva is really referring to the past. Now, the concept that we think of tshuva, of going from bad to good, has nothing to do with the etymological concept of tshuva. The Maharal 
wrote, Rav, Kuk, Rav Hutner quotes this in Pachad Yitzchak and Rosh Hashanah, that the Maral said, The real meaning of tshuva is to go back to our roots. The, the concept of tshuva is really to return. To return to what? To the situation before the sin. In terms of Klal Yisrael, it means to return to the situation to the original sin. It means to go back to the original concept of Gan Eden. These this world that we live in, we live in the world of Adam Harishon Lifnei Hachet. This is only one side example of quoting the Maharal found in Rafutner. We'll find this time and time again. The Maharal was somehow rediscovered and became the basis for Hasidic philosophy, for Rav Kook's philosophy, Rav Hutner's philosophy, among others. You've been listening to Rabbi Yaman Tavori and you've been listening to KMTT, Kimitzion, Teitzei, Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. This is Ezra Bick wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Bechol Tov, we'll be back next week with our regular series of scheduled shiurim on KMTT, the Torah podcast, broadcasting from Yeshivat HaRetzion in Alon Shvot Eretz Yisrael. Kol Tov, Shabbat Shalom.